conspiracy theories aren't the playthings of Twitter. They're they're serious, and we must have a serious conversation about information, where we get it, and how do we know it's credible. Welcome back to MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy. That was Daryl Ehrlich, the editor of Montana's newest news organization. We'll hear more from Daryl and the Daily Montanan in a few moments. I'm here with the executive director of Montana Conservation Voters, Whitney Tani in Bozeman, and political director Jake Brown in Helena. And before we dive in, we're trying something new here on MCV Cast. When you watch a football game on TV these days, you hear the sounds of a crowded stadium. Ambiance recorded sometime before the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, that gave us an idea. This podcast is about protecting places. So why not pipe in ambient sound from some of those places? I'm going to put in some background sounds I recorded this week while sitting in the sun on the banks of the Yellowstone River. If you hear wind rustling through cottonwoods in the background or Canadian geese honking overhead or dogs barking in the distance, just close your eyes and imagine being where we are so lucky to live. We'll try to bring you the sounds of a new place in Montana every week. And now to the headlines. I have damn little respect for people who wrap themselves in a flag and then try to burn this country down. That was Montana's senior U.S. senator speaking to Montana Public Radio following this month's violent insurrection on Capitol Hill. As we record this podcast, the U.S. House of Representatives just impeached President Donald Trump a second time for inciting an insurrection. That means there's been a lot of focus on all three members of our congressional delegation. Here's more from Senator Tester during a conversation with reporter Aaron Bolton. It absolutely was a coup by domestic terrorists. This is a terrorist act yesterday. This was a direct affront to our nation, to our republic, to our democracy. And it cannot be tolerated because if it is, this country is over with. Senator Tester also wrote a fiery national column this week. In it, he calls out the 13 U.S. senators who, prior to the attack, announced plans to object to the certification of Joe Biden as fair winner of the presidential election. Montana Senator Steve Daines was among those 13 senators. Tester wrote, quote, Whatever their reasons, blame rests squarely on their shoulders, and history will never forget who they are, no matter how much they try to explain it away now. Senator Daines did do a lot of explaining this week. Here he is with Montana Public Radio's Kevin Trevelant during a very limited interview on Friday. I'd just like to return to to some of the campaign materials in particular. I have a a campaign email from you that solicits donations by saying, quote, Democrats are desperate to steal this election, unquote. And the email includes your pen signature at the bottom. I'm just wondering whether you think some of that rhetoric possibly has a role in, in sowing distrust in the electoral process, which was, I think, kind of the contention of these people who stormed the Capitol. Well, um, we've all become, I think, too cavalier in believing that it's very easy to distinguish between campaign fundraising hyperbole from the work of actually governing. Catch that. No remorse, no apology, not his fault. Senator Daines blamed his inflammatory lie on us becoming too cavalier and separating fact from fiction. This after he lied about Democrats stealing votes, which led to a riot that resulted in the deaths and injuries of American citizens, including police officers. No wonder Senator Tester has little patience. I will tell you that I think Senator Daines knows better. And uh, I didn't think it was a smart thing to do when he did it because of what could happen, and it did happen yesterday. I hope that he uh, changes his course and and starts doing a a better job protecting this country and not, not its party. 
This week, Senator Daines announced he doesn't support impeaching the president because, he says, it would further divide the country. After days of blowback, he did take the unusual step of admitting there is no evidence that Antifa instigated or was involved in the insurrection, which to most of us is common sense. Montana's only member of the House, by the way, is still spouting conspiracy theories and explaining why he rejected the results of the election. And he continues to parrot partisan talking points that we won't waste your time with. But we have a bunch of links to what our lawmakers are saying and doing. Check them out in our show notes. Security has tightened at the Montana State Capitol since the attack in Washington. Jake, you're spending a lot of time up there these days. What's been making news in Helena? That's right, Whitney. The uh, FBI this week warned of a possibility of an armed protest at all 50 state capitals. And that prompted the department administration to beef up security here, though the Gianforte administration hasn't released many details about what this actually means. Uh, This comes on top of news that a second lawmaker has tested positive for COVID-19. Representative Fiona Nava of Columbus has not been at the Capitol since the session began. Uh, Another Republican, Representative David Beatty of Hamilton, says he contracted the virus before the session and that he wore a mask before his diagnosis. MCV had a quick reaction to the release of Governor Greg Gianforte's budget this week. He claims it will result in tax cuts without cutting essential services, but it does cut general fund spending by $100 million. We are pleased the budget funds many of the state agencies and outdoor programs we care about, but Gianforte does not include dedicated conservation or public land funding from the anticipated marijuana tax revenue approved by Montana voters on November 3rd. Nearly half of that revenue is designated to bolster state public lands funding. And of course, legislators ultimately approve where Montana's money goes and we'll stay on top of them to make sure their work reflects our priorities. Governor Gianforte has chosen Misty Cool to serve as his new director of Indian Affairs. Cool is a member of the Fort Belknap community. Born in Haver, she's an alumnus of MSU Billings and she replaces Jason Smith in the Montana Department of Indian Affairs. A Bozeman group called the Gallatin-Yellowstone Wilderness Alliance wants to designate 800,000 acres in Custer National Forest as wilderness. Doing so would take an act of Congress and a signature from the president. The alliance says their proposal would protect wild lands stretching from West Yellowstone to the Pryor Mountains south of Billings. Currently, Senator Tester's Blackfoot Clearwater Stewardship Act is the only Montana wilderness bill on the books. In 2017 and 2018, both Senator Steve Daines and then-Congressman Greg Gianforte introduced bills to remove protections from hundreds of thousands of acres of wilderness study areas across the state. It's no secret Montana's daily newspapers have come on hard times in recent years. Papers have decimated their newsrooms and bureaus, they've outsourced jobs, and we've all seen the resulting decline in local and statewide coverage. But journalism in Montana and the need for it is more important than ever, and we've seen an uptick in new online news organizations. This month, the Daily Montanan opened shop in three locations across the state, with a staff of four and a commitment to report on news that affects Montanans' lives. The editor of the Daily Montanan is a familiar name in Montana's journalism community, and he is this week's guest. Daryl Ehrlich launched the Daily Montanan on January 5th. Prior to that, Daryl served as editor of the Billings Gazette, an award-winning role he held since 2013. 
Daryl is a Billings native who has also worked as an editor in Wisconsin, Utah, Minnesota, and Wyoming. He's a journalist, author, historian, and teacher, and he joins us from Billings. Daryl, thanks for being on MCV Cast. Hey, Aaron, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. First of all, congratulations on the launch, and we'll get into the details. But let's start with the elevator pitch. What, who, where, and why is the Daily Montanan? Yeah, so what is it? We're an online news website. We exist really for two really important reasons. Um, we are a nonprofit that exists to give good coverage, relentless coverage to state government and state policies. And uh, we do that for both our readers and the reader is anybody who comes to our website or, or our social media accounts, our, our Twitter or our Facebook feed. And then we also provide our service for free, not only to readers, but also to any media that wants to pick it up. So if one of them, you know, for lack of better uh, legacy medias wants to pick it up and whether that's broadcast or print, they can do that. If they want them on the website, they can do that. We don't have ads. We don't have paywalls. We're donation and philanthropy supported. And we are affiliated with the state's newsroom, which is in 19 other states. So tell us a little more about uh, the state's newsroom. Um, What does that affiliation mean for you and, and your mission as a newsroom? Yeah. First of all, what it meant for us is that our launch in Montana was much easier than if we would have just wanted to say, hey, listen, I want to start a news organization. Okay, well, how do you do that? Since they've launched in 19 other states, haven't been around for years, uh, they kind of had how to launch, how to get started. And then, of course, the the things that go along, because uh, journalists, while they're not among the most uh, lavishly paid, uh, still need paychecks, benefits, all those great things. States Newsroom is very, very, uh, very, very good nonprofit. We are a nonprofit model, and that allows there to be some certainty about what money we make from donors or from people who are supporting us, whether that's through grants, foundations, or other businesses, that that money is put into the journalism. And so one of the the great things about States Newsroom is that we have affiliates in 19 other states. Montana was the 20th. And they have staffs doing the same thing that we're doing, covering state news there, uh, curating commentary and writing commentary, uh, producing content. And then also we have a couple of things that are really cool. We have national editors who uh, the national editor I report to is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, a wonderful woman. Um, And then we also have uh, a a Washington, D.C. Capitol Bureau staff of four, and they were there on Wednesday during the attempted coup. And uh, they also provide content for their members the affiliates. Um, and so, for example, we launched our site with a Q&A from Senator John Tester, and um, that was unique content to us. Of course, it could be shared, but we love having that ability because we can bring DC news and we can actually tailor it to Montanans. So um, that's the benefit. The benefit, too, is, for example, a few weeks ago when our Louisiana, we had a Republican representative who died of COVID. We had that story. When the Nashville bombing happened, we had people in Nashville at the time. We had photographers and we had people talking to eyewitnesses. So we were not only able to 
have a, another state's newsroom affiliate cover that, but we were able to get that content into the hands of Montanans so that if they wanted to read what firsthand accounts looked like in Nashville, they could do it. Or what firsthand accounts looked like in the Capitol, they could do it through our site. So we were kind of a conduit for that. So that's the benefit of, of being on a, a network like this. Well, so far in Montana, the, the Daily Montana is you and, and three reporters. Uh, who are they and what are they responsible for covering and, and where are they based? Yeah. So um, State's Newsroom in Montana, Montana is the largest geographic state. So we're, we're doing a few things. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the organization is uh, they allow us the flexibility. They say, you know what you need in your state. We're here to help support you. And it's not the old joke, you know, either the Reagan, we're, we're from the government, we're here to help, or, you know, they, we're here from corporate, we're here to help. But that's, that's truly been the, the case. And one of the challenges, not so much during legislature, but in the other three quarters of the time when the legislature isn't in session, we actually uh, have people in Helena, we have a reporter in Missoula, and then we have, um, I, I, I'm in Billings. So we're able to kind of spread out. And I think that that's advantageous. I was born and raised here. I've been a journalist here for uh, seven years prior to that with the Billings Gazette. Um, Kayla Spaller, who is uh, was the most recently the interim editor in Missoula. She's Missoula. She covers a lot of education issues for us. And then we've got Aaron Kimball Sanit, who was a reporter with Political and the Dallas Morning News. He also was covering uh, the Arizona legislature for the Capitol Times in Phoenix. And then we have Keith Schubert, who was covering the Minnesota legislature in St. Paul. He was a former journalist with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and most recently Asbury Park Press in New Jersey. And so we were able to bring them to Helena. And um, the other great thing about State's Newsroom is we also are working with freelancers for writing opportunities. So it's not just the four of us, but we have, we're already working with four other freelancers on content um, that you'll be seeing soon in the Daily Montana. And I would anticipate that roster to grow. So we're really trying to diversify our voices and the number of reporting resources that we can bring to leverage. And again, the great thing is for readers, they get all of this free and even media companies, which may be strapped for reporting resources can use our content as well. We've all seen uh, the free press in this country come under attack very specifically over the last five years, and, and especially at the encouragement of the president of the United States. You've always been, Daryl, what, what I call a capital J journalist. Uh, what gives you the resolve to keep on trucking in this industry? Yeah, part of it is just passion. I mean, uh, we all I, I wish for everybody listening that they find what they truly love to do. And I do love this. Um, it's been hard, but also when you see the great change it can make, it's somewhat, um, you know, it's been called uh, one of the worst, you know, journalism is one of the worst drugs you can get hooked on um, because the pay is awful at times, the the hours are harsh. But you see that through telling stories or bringing information to folks, good, credible information, that they make better decisions or politicians act differently when they're being watched. And so for all of those reasons, I've never gotten over that thrill. And the other thing that I say to a lot of people is I get paid to read and write and think and, and go to meetings and, and be at the front and center. That's just such a cool job. And I also believe that the republic will only be as strong 
as the information. What information it has will dictate how well it's going to survive or even endure. And right now, I think we've unfortunately confused information with media. That is, the information and gathering it is a is a professional pursuit of journalists and writers, and that's important. Having a Facebook page or having a platform um, takes signing up with Twitter or Facebook, and we've kind of blurred those things, but we need, especially now because of the proliferation of media, even things like Parler, Twitter, Instagram, we have so many media platforms that we're in even greater need of good, reliable content because we're flooded and inundated and how do we select that? Uh, that's that's obviously a real challenge. And it was shown, I, I can't think of a better example than this week than people believing a whole bunch of things that just weren't true and marching on the Capitol doing violence. They had a certain, I, I they had disinformation, but they were getting that from somewhere. And um, that, that shows that conspiracy theories aren't the playthings of Twitter. They're, they're serious. And we must have a serious conversation about information, where we get it, and how do we know it's credible? Yeah, that's one of the things that I, I think about often is, um, you know, I think the divide in this country, some people say it's it's left and right. I think it's more specifically fact versus fantasy. And and how exactly do you get to that challenge? What what do you say to the people who insist the earth is flat? I I, I, I don't have an answer, but wondering if, if you're thinking about that too. Oh, we think about that all the time. And we don't want to necessarily just be an echo chamber for either side. You know, um, I think that there are uh, probably fantasies that both sides of the political spectrum harbor. I don't know that any journalism has the perfect answer. In fact, I've talked to two people who are who teach journalism at college and they're both on sabbatical. They don't know each other. I just happen to know them. And they're both studying how to, you know, things like the influence of certain cable news networks and, and worldviews and how to how to break through that. I think really one of the challenges is a long time ago, say 50 years ago in Billings, Montana, we'll take Billings as an example. You had the Billings Gazette and you may have had a few radio stations and a news broadcast, but your your conduit for information was pretty locked down by a professional class of journalists. And today you are bombarded by media of all sorts and you have a dilution of facts and you have a proliferation of platforms. And so getting that into the hands of people, delivering it is really challenging because at one time, the only way you had access to the rest of the world was through television or radio stations. And you really couldn't survive or ha- carry on a, a cogent conversation without that. Now you can. It is possible to have that, but it makes it dangerous because there isn't the authoritative sources as there once was. And even what you're seeing right now in the rise of nonprofit media, for example, us, is a a real change in even how that format looks and how it operates. So we think about it a lot. One of the things that we have to be more transparent about as journalists and professionals is reminding people not only that we got a certain piece of information, but how we got that information. For example, this election has really challenged journalists because on one hand, you have the leader of the free world saying things that are clearly not factual. But because he's the leader of the free world, we have a responsibility to cover what he says. And what he says has real impact and meaning. 
And yet we also know that what he says is not right and can be misleading and, and actually damaging. So I think we're having to wrestle with that. How do we report that? And how do we show that this isn't right without just coming off and saying nothing the president said was true or very few of the things? It's a real conundrum. And I don't I think I don't think journalism, unfortunately, as Einstein says, our technology always eclipses our humanity. And I think our conversation about how to reach people with facts and calm things with good information I think our technology has far eclipsed our humanity and we're we're still back a couple of I don't know I don't know what the measurements are whether they're we're still back a couple of years or we're, we're still back a couple of miles but we're not there yet hmm. well let's zoom in a little bit to Montana where uh, you know we have a brand new governor's administration we've got a brand new legislator we've got a brand new um, land board all of these things came with a, a pretty significant majority in, in the November 3rd election and it, clearly it's it's coming at a time when journalism across the state by and large is uh, I mean it's been decimated in recent years as you well know so what is your strategy or responsibility to covering say the work of uh, an administration of a, of a governor who well, he's known worldwide for an incident involving a reporter. How, how do you how do you face that? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that we do is um, for all the things that have changed, whether that's the immediacy of social media or the, you know, how quickly, you know, a 24 hour news cycle that never really ends. It just um, fades into another day. Ironically, it's the basics of our industry that we go back to, which is, so we had a governor or we had a representative who body slammed a reporter. Okay, um, that should inform us about what he might think of the media or the esteem that he holds reporting. But our job is to, I don't wanna say ignore it, but understand it and still go back and ask the tough questions regardless. We have to get back to asking questions what do you know? How do you know it? Can you get us documents? And then also, you know, there's a real, and this is this is nonpartisan in, in so far as it's a, a tactic and technique used by both liberals and conservatives, is oftentimes uh, politicians want to control the narrative in press releases and statements from spokespeople. I think that our job is to not necessarily accept that or tell the readers when they're doing that. Honestly, that has not been the case uh, at the Montana state level. I will say so far, the governor's office and the legislative staff have been uh, remarkably transparent. Um, legislature, including the Capitol Press Corps, which is smaller than it used to be, but very, very competent, whether it's my, my colleagues uh, at Lee or whether it's Montana Free Press, um, they're very, very good about um, including and working together and I just have to tell you that that um, we've been welcomed in and, and no one has has ducked us so far. So our plan is to not just cover things for people who need to understand the state government, but help contextualize. You know, a lot of times reporters assume the readers or their audience know why certain things are important, like, OK, a budget bill or why is the appropriations committee important. And hopefully when we're doing our best job, we're lending context and understanding um, because government is tricky. I mean, 
you you uh, you've been to Washington. You understand things like appropriated and allocated funds are two different things, and most readers wouldn't understand some of those those differences. So that's part of our job too. Is we work around this every day. We need to help translate it and explain what the government's doing. Well, Daryl, where can folks find the Daily Montanan? Yeah, the, they can find it at www.dailymontanan.com. We have a daily newsletter that I write, so I'll apologize in advance. If you don't like my writing, you probably won't like the Daily Montanan, although the newsletter basically just points out what we're doing, what we've produced in the last 24 to 48 hours. And then we also spotlight some things that um, uh, people can submit favorite photos of Montana, Montana products that they think are cool that other people should know about. I usually throw in one song of the day because I'm a shameless music junkie. <laughs> and then we have our social media. We have Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, and then we have a, a group of editors across the state who pick up the content that we need. And we're really proud of that. So hopefully um, getting to us or finding our content, whether they're supporting their local newspaper or whether they're online, uh, hopefully they're finding us and, and, and seeing the content. Great. Daryl Ehrlich is the editor of the new online news organization, The Daily Montanan. Check it out again at dailymontanan.com. I subscribe to that newsletter, Daryl, and I can tell you it is uh, it is worth my time. So thank you. And thanks for joining us, and best of luck uh, to you in the weeks ahead. Hey, thanks so much for having me, and best of luck to you, too, in 2021. The views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of MCV, its staff, or its board of directors. We recorded our interview with Daryl on January 8th, and we've got more info about the Daily Montanan and Daryl and his team in our show notes. Last week, we shared news of our new accountability website. The Montana Conservation Voters has launched the Montana Pushback Campaign to keep people informed whenever environmental issues are on the docket in the Capitol. We formally launched Montana Pushback, a play on Governor Gianforte's Montana's Comeback on Monday. Check it out and check it out often because we'll be changing it every time we have news to share about the work of the Montana legislature and what you can do to be a part of the legislative process. If you make a donation to our campaign of $25 or more, you'll get a free sticker to show your support for our work protecting Montana's clean air, water, public lands, and unique communities. It's more important than ever now that those things are at risk in Helena. Once again, that link is montanapushback.org. We want to leave you with a bit of encouraging news. The Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks says over the past few weeks, volunteers have caught 18 live martens for relocation to the Little Bell Mountains in central Montana. Martens are sharp-toothed members of the weasel family that sound a little bit like this. But martens have disappeared from the little belts over the past century, likely because of illegal fur trapping. FWP volunteers caught the 18th martens in other parts of Montana since early December, and they hope to relocate as many as 30 of the wild animals by the end of next month. And that does it for us this week. MCV Cast will be back next week with more news from the intersection of Montana politics and conservation. And when we do, we'll have a new president in office. Stay safe, get outside, and thanks for listening.